How's it going? Uh, Sunday night in Cheltenham, the birds are singing, stay outside, had a little exercise bike routine. Just wanted to give a few thoughts on Bellew Hay 2, the rematch, and actually the whole event last night, the O2 Arena in Greenwich, South East London. Great, great venue, isn't it? I was there for Amy Khan against Willie Limond back in 2007. Khan got knocked down and then stopped Limond. Uh, Scotsman with um, I think it's a lightweight fight probably and uh, broke Lemon's jaw before Carr moved up and continued his kind of uh, odyssey through the boxing ranks but great acoustics great place um, kind of tricky to get I just make a last minute dash on the tube amongst a lot of uh, inebriated people back to West London for work today but it was a really good night um, kind of mixed emotions actually just reviewing it obviously we talked about a lot of people about the kind of question marks over father time and the ravages on David Hayes' body and just the dying of the light a little bit in terms of his athleticism, his timing. I think Chris Lloyd, the boxing journalist, made the sports science point about uh, type 2 uh, B muscles, which is the kind of really super explosive muscles that wane in the early 30s and perhaps David Hay had been reliant on a lot in his career in terms of uh, that kind of but dazzling ascent through the ranks of the cruiserweight division a decade ago now unifying that with those wins over Jean-Marc Mormack uh, getting off the canvas and that explosive quick stoppage of Enzo Macronelli the Welshman who's kind of since worked his way back down the weights counterintuitively uh, to light heavy but it's that's a decade ago and then of course eight and a half years ago will be nine years this autumn this November he uh, toppled Nikolai Valuev the seven foot two inch giant from uh, from Russia, you know, wobbled him towards the end of that fight as well. I think landed only 42 punches, but I'm not sure value have landed any in that encounter. But David Hay last night stopped in kind of explosive fashion by Tony Bellew. A couple of knockdowns in the third round, then the fifth round. Uh, it was a final denouement maybe of, of David Hay's career, although he said he'd have to go back and watch the tape. You kind of wonder what he'll have to assess there. I mean, the, the kind of intangibles around Tony Bellew are fascinating he came up short at, at light heavyweight after toiling there for his professional career from 2007 through to 2013 and you wonder now in retrospect whether Bellew should have moved up what do you think I mean he was there at 12 and a half stone he'd been an amateur at I think up to super heavy in the end 91 kilograms plus but you know ended up 12 and a half stone which is, must be like 10 at least 10 kilograms less than he was competing at amateur and uh, came up short against Nathan Cleverley in his first challenge and he beat Cleverley later at cruiserweight that Cleverley not quite same place I don't think in terms of his life and his career but still at light heavy he uh, he he outworked Bellew didn't he in that first fight and then Adonis Stevenson stopped him cruelly in a WBC light heavyweight encounter which was a tail end of 2013 I think so I was thinking last night it's only four and a half years since then he's gone on this crazy run through the cruiserweights got that kind of fairy tale Hollywood well it mirrored sort of Hollywood to a certain extent didn't it the Creed Rocky uh, movie by finishing um uh, up at Goodison Park against Alungo Macabo in that explosive uh, match where he got off the canvas and early stoppage win to get the WBC Cruiserweight title. Then he challenges uh, De Hay. Um, but it was a kind of the wonderment of the, of the Tony Bellew narrative and at 35 years of age, he kind of, as his trainer Dave Cobble says, is getting better, although he takes longer to recover from training. Things like that technically is getting better, but you wonder whether he should have maybe moved up in weight earlier or whether it's just a kind of natural destiny of things and this is the path. It was the opportunism and the confidence almost as a man to, to seize that calling out of David Hay, calling him a Bur- Bermondsey female dog. And that kind of struck up the opportunity for this encounter, didn't it? It seemed that he, he learned the fact that stories in life are compelling, be it in journalism or sport or whatever. But the boxing, people want a story. And people have been on my timeline on Twitter, Ed Draper81, talking about how maybe, you know, he's not the most 
athletic guy, not the most high-level skilled fighter, but Tony Bell, you won a lot of ABAs, good amateur pedigree at the Rotunda up in a distinguished sort of gym in Liverpool, comparable to David Hay, of course, went to the World Championships in 2001, got a silver in Belfast in amateur boxing as well, and he uh, was at Fitzroy Lodge, so he had a storied kind of upbringing in a London gym, in a South London area, um, but it's it's just the mixed emotions actually you kind of wonderment about that Bellew thing but just question marks about David Hay in the, f- the sense that there was a missed opportunity wasn't there between the stoppage of Derek Chisora in 2012 in July and then the um, three and a half years layoff before he took on Mark Demori the kind of journeyman Australian who'd fought a lot in the States he's based in Croatia actually Mark but fought a lot under Don King and uh, didn't offer anything in that fight against David neither did Arnold Georgiev which was the first, second kind of comeback fight in the final warm-up before Tony Bellew ultimately in March of last year 2017 then there was the Achilles tendon ruptures in that fight and Hay was up on the cards which I've talked about maybe that was an indicator that Hay could potentially win this if he stayed fit but I don't know if he looked he looked kind of leggy even getting into the ring didn't he quite heavy on that ring walk he started well landed a few big punches but people ringside I know Mike Costello from the BBC saying in the podcast that he was puffing, you could tell it's the first, second round up close ringside. We were kind of a little bit in the gods. I was hosting for a match room, and it was a good, um, a good event um, from uh, from a distance. So you couldn't quite tell, but people close by said he was um, a little bit gassed. Uh, and there was, yeah, a sense that it was uh, it was the end of the way he was sort of cruelly exposed by Bellew, who was great up close and and personal. Um, my wife just come in the gate, so I'm just uh, saying I'm recording a quick <laughs> podcast. Um, so it was it was uh, a fascinating night from that sense. It was kind of a poignancy of the, the passing of time. I so to David Hay in that sense that maybe there were a few missed years, albeit with shoulder reconstructions and everything like that. Uh, but on the bright side, thoughts of the value Hay too. Certainly the optimism to come from the future. Joshua, Joshua Boazzi uh, moved to six fights, four knockout wins, really kind of skillful performance by him again he's got the kind of double threat of being a skillful boxer seemingly and uh, creating a lot of power as well and um, it was the yeah it was a sense that that was a kind of bright future on an interesting aside actually not a lot of people in there to see either Boazzi or fellow Olympian Joe Joyce the heavyweight who uh, was an explosive fashion against Lenroy Thomas Jamaican Commonwealth champion Joyce racing to uh, Commonwealth title in just his fourth fight which is a record going back to a guy called Storbeck South African 1912 won the Commonwealth title in uh, Plymouth I believe so Joe Joyce who is 33 this September the silver medalist from Rio 2016 who kind of had his career slightly on hold because of Anthony Joshua being the main guy in 2012 but in fairness Joyce is 32 he only began boxing at 22 this artist but not many people in there in the arena, all out in the kind of corridors and the eateries and bars, drinking and and loading up, which is kind of curious, I think, because these guys, Boatsy and Joyce, potentially will be big stars of the future. I think they certainly will be. Um, Joyce just fast and furious, and I wondered with Darren Barker, there, we're doing fight coverage for kind of American and Australian, New Zealand audiences around the world for the feed, and she went out in a bar in New Jersey, apparently. Um, but we were talking about just whether the coupling of his age Joyce and that style of fren- frenetic fren- you know, frantic approach whether that's a kind of marriage that will give him longevity um, although they're not particularly kind of explosive punches in the sense of rapidity and huge volume of them uh, but that was impressive I thought for the future because that's another 6 foot 6 inch 
powerful guy to add to the mix of the heavyweight potentially and Darren Barker former world champion which was an interview on the podcast here as well make sure we check out that Darren talking quite kind of openly about the loss of his brother and how boxing has affected his life impacted his life taught him skills but we talked about um, Joyce being potentially part of the kind of exciting heavyweight scene with the big boys in 18 months or so it's certainly had a different ingredient to that and a kind of high tempo enthusiasm and then uh, uh, the Emmanuel Rodriguez fight against Paul Butler we're south of Paul Butler from Ellesmere Port, Northwest England, Cheshire, who won the bantamweight RBF title 2014 against Stewie Hall, then kind of went down, lost his first ever fight, Zelani Tetti at Superfly, who's uh, now one of the world title medalists, I believe, at featherweight. Uh, so and Paul Butler couldn't make weight three pounds over the bantamweight limit, which is weird because he has been down in lower weights before, but there's only a few pounds in each weight division down there, isn't he? Couldn't make the 118 pounds weight limit, which I think's eight stone four. 53 point something kg maybe 53 and a half kg something like that couldn't make it apparently he was in the hotel as a guy from Matchroom Tony is one of the guys who organises um, the shows and he was saying that there he was in the hotel gym pool trying to make a check weight in the morning big coat on sweating out in the hotel gym that they were staying at near the O2 Arena in Greenwich and couldn't couldn't shift it didn't kind of fight for the title Emmanuel Rodriguez's opponent did the Cuban he won it emphatically uh, knocked Potler down early really broke his nose and exposed him in some wonderful fast flurries and technical stuff and Rodriguez definitely a big 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 talent to unify potentially that division when you look at it he um, had an amateur record of apparently of 117 wins and 11 defeats so he was he was great so it was a good night at the O2 as I say it's quite curious to kind of just seeing everyone very inebriated and in, in the kind of fan aspect of it and how much you actually saw some of these other guys on the, the undercard and the potential to come Luke Campbell won as well just a fight against a guy called Troy jo- James, um, who was, I think, a welterweight. He's a real stocky, short guy. Campbell had a high, massive height and reach advantage on him, and it was a six-rounder, and Campbell finished it, I believe, in the fifth or sixth in the end, and uh, he played credit to his opponent, who I think is a Midland-area champion of a couple of times, actually, based in Coventry, Troy James. But Luke Campbell, back, said it was good to be back in the ring, chatted to him, actually, just before I left, and uh, said his big things to come back. His kind of comeback fight from... Jorge Linares, he actually wants to fight the guy he first lost to, Ivan Mende. Um, Luke Campbell, of course, being the 2012 lightweight Olympic champion. He's 31 this autumn, which is incredible because he's got that boyish looks. Um, but yeah, good to see Luke back on there. So it's an interesting card. Perhaps not incredible level of uh, spectacle throughout. Um, John Ryder <laughs> with a super middleweight stoppage of Jamie Cox. And John Ryder's going from strength to strength after big Patrick Nielsen, which is amazing because I know his manager is trained by Tony Sims and... Charlie Sims, his uh, Tony's son, who was uh, also on The Only Way, is Essex, Towie, or whatever. He manages um, John and was kind of frustrated with him at numerous points in the past, losing to numerous fights, three at British title level at middleweight, but he's moved up and he's only five foot nine, but he seems to crack really um, well at, at super middle now at 12, 12 stone. And um, almost the fact he's short and stocky and kind of comes from a low position seems to cause people problems did Jamie Cox last night so that was good but yeah just a kind of mixed emotions night of uh, Tony Bellew that wonderful story some promise for the future the rider story thrilling but that's boxing isn't it it's kind of like life the highs and lows and the time but for David Hayek and those of us of that era who are similar age to him he was so younger you kind of think yeah it's the passing of the time and it's cruel that boxers get that comes to them sooner than the rest of us even if we feel it in our physically I guess our careers more extended and we can grow with experience but for boxers once the body goes very hard to come back but let's hope he uh, 
your doubts because he was a cruiserweight champion, world heavyweight champion as well, only the second since Evander Holyfield to do that. And give him credit. He uh, put boxing on the map to a certain extent, doesn't he, where it is now. It's, it's a massive sport, certainly in Britain, and uh, maybe so in America with Deontay Wilder, if he can get that fight with Anthony Joshua and reignite it over there. People like Javonta Davis as well. Anyway, guys, let me know your thoughts. Ed Draper, 81. Good weekend of boxing, you know, too. And I'll, uh, I'll speak to you soon. Cheers, guys.